Hi, I'm your host, Karina Gantis, and you're listening to a special edition of Behind the Pen for the NAPOD POMO National Podcast Post Month. Hi, everyone. I'm Karina Gantis, your host for Behind the Pen. Welcome to another episode. I am an award-winning author of 14 books. I'm a booktuber, a YouTuber. I host the... um, Artist First uh, radio show, Author Assist. I also run Author Assist, which helps authors with their marketing promotion, everything from brainstorming an idea right through to marketing and promoting the final product. Um, Today, my guest is Martin Carr. Welcome to the show, Martin. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. It's nice to have you, and it's wonderful to hear a British accent. Yeah. How is it over there in the UK now? At the moment, winter's just coming and uh, it's getting cold and wet. Um, Due to the pandemic, uh, there's a lot of change. Um, People swapping jobs because they don't want to deal with, you know, like myself at the moment, I'm a carer and a palliative carer and nobody wants to deal with the public one-to-one anymore and it's quite sad yeah that's that's, that's very sad it's it's scary scary time and uh i hear that they're going through another stage over in the uk and there might be lockdowns again i think that could happen is the government is threatening that is because people think that the pandemic's over. So right, um, now at the moment on the media, it's pushing carers and NHS workers to get the COVID jab against the wishes. And if they refuse, it's like they are actually losing the jobs. The thing, the thing so, is right, this is what I don't get. First of all, you can't force someone to do it, which is what they're doing over here in Greece. Um, they're trying yeah. to force people to have the vaccination, otherwise you stay in your house, you can't go anywhere. But to lose a job of someone who's so important to do that job because of the COVID, to actually stop them from working and looking after people that need looking after, I, I just... I don't get that mentality. I just don't get it. I think what it is, is now it's the fear factor. And it's this pandemic, it's new. Um, to say it's the first one, but it's not. If you go back into the mid 80s, you had the AIDS pandemic. Mm-hmm. But nobody's, nobody's mentioning that one. Yeah. Uh, but it's like myself, is I work in a nursing home and I'm a carer and plus more so now um, a palliative carer because of the pandemic, the people are getting the treatment for cancers and all this lot and now they're passing away from it. So sad. And I've gone from working eight-hour shifts and I can work up to 14 to 16 hours a day now. Wow. That's yeah, crazy. It is, because we are, what, around about six, seven staff members down. 
because they won't have the flu jab. They've lost their jobs. It's not that that was before it was coming. It's the stress of the job. Yeah. And they're just falling in, so I'm not coming back. Yeah. End up, that's it. But it's, it's like uh, all over Britain now, there's nearly 200,000 vacancies in care itself. Wow. Yeah, so it is getting bad. Let's um, yeah. talk about something cheerful. Because Me. you are on my show. You're on my show, and this show is called Behind the Pen. And it's for anyone who holds a pen. That can be a writer, author, artist, tattooist, musician... It could be anyone. So, Martin, what do you use your pen for? Writing. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 <clears throat> don't. Tell me, tell the truth. You are an amazing artist. I've seen your work. Thank you. Thank um, you. I run uh, one of the um, Facebook groups on um, Facebook children's uh, illustrations and books. And Martin has put his work on there, and that's how I found uh, Martin. The, the standard of um, talent that you have and your style is it, just so, it's beautiful, it's unique. It's, I don't know, I just get the feeling of uh, Paris, when like Parisian and... Um, the, the way you do your lines and you, you're using pencil, but the pictures come alive from it. I mean, what what kind of art do you refer that to, your style? What, what do you call that? What you've seen there is I'm influenced by, I'm an old-fashioned artist, and um, I love... Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, Raphael. Um, mm. but the style you're seeing is me and Edgar Degas. That style, and I've blended it together, and it's like a Dickensian type style of artwork. Um, at the moment, um, I'm just using pencils, pencil crayons and pastels and I'm just mixing them all together and what comes out comes out it's uh, just beautiful absolutely beautiful photographs. yeah I've got I'm dyslexic I'm dyscalculus I have phonic sound disorder and that helps me focus plus I can look at a piece of paper without anything in my hand, and I'll see the picture I want. That's amazing. Uh, it's there already. I just look at the paper, mm -hmm. and it's there. I don't know how it happens or why it happens. It's, it's because of uh, your your conditions that has given you that talent. It is it is because yeah. of that, yeah. I know, I know other um, dyslexic uh, people that are uh, artists, and uh, um, some have uh, other conditions that uh, just make their their talent come out more um so well, I mean when did it all start with you was you were you drawing when you were younger at school at university I mean when did art become passionate for you 
People's asked me that many times, and I've just said I was born with a pencil in my right hand and a paintbrush <laughs> in my left hand. So you've been doing art for many years then? Yeah, I've never been to college. I've never been to university. Um, I'm half French. I'm half German. I grew up in Paris. Um, phonic sound disorder, that's what the person... That's what I've been told to say because the proper pronunciation of it, I can't even get my tongue around it. So, <laughs> so basically, what it, that means is you have to stand in front of me, talk to me. I need to see your face to get the sound. If you walk away talking to me, I can't hear you. My mother was French, father was German. I grew up in Paris. And I started to grow up with um, a speech defect. Because mm -hmm. I was, to me, I was talking to what I was hearing, but I wasn't. And I'll give you an example is I used to talk and it was like, num, 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 Wow. Because that's all I can hear. And I was watching Tom and Jerry once and Jerry Thomas was getting chowed off his mum. And that's how it come across. And I thought, what? After, and I asked the wife, I said, did that say anything? She went, no, it's what you can hear, but it's all they're speaking. So I give that as an example to people and they just start laughing. I was like, I'm serious. It's not funny at all. No. Um, so I can So I buried myself in my artwork. Yeah. Uh, my mother died when I was 14. And my uncle on the French side took me in. I, won't go, I couldn't go to school because the schools thought I was just the retarded French boy. And that's what they called me, the retard. So my uncle gave me a pen, paper, explained what he want, and I started doing illustrations for comic books for him. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I got paid. You know, I've yeah, got a few, yeah. a few bob here and there. Not the full amount he was getting paid. <laughs> and, no, but he was getting all the credit for it. <laughs> I didn't know that until years later. So, because that was your like, start. I mean, that was how you started. He may yeah. have been using you for your talent, but that got you into drawing, and that got you yeah. into the interest. Yeah, as he as he put it. You're not good for anything else, so I might as well make use of you. Mm. It, in a nice way, he meant that. <laughs> and then it's from the age of 12, it was just non-stop. I'd finished that project, you know, right, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. Then he went, right, I've got a big project for you. I went, what's that? He went, come on, I'll have to show you it. And he took me to this hotel in Paris. And... Just doing alterations in it. And what they thought was a building next door, it wasn't. It was a part of the hotel, the archway being blocked off and plastered over. Mm. And they found a secret ballroom. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, wow, because I was only small and petite as a child. I wasn't fully developed. And it looks like a huge, smelly, Fusty, cobwebby cave. He went, This is your project. 
and I just stood and looked up at him because I was only I was only a small child and my, my uncle was six foot five. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he said, when it's cleaned up, I'm going to put scaffolding all around the walls and up ceiling to your height and you're going to paint it all. And I just stood there looking at him, looking at this huge ballroom. And he said, I'll let you know what they want. And he took me around all the rooms, explaining where the paintings wanted to be, even on the ceiling. And I was only just over four foot tall. I had long white hair and a ponytail. People used to think I was a little girl. That's how petite and bonny I was. And <laughs> uh, okay, uh, I'll give it a go. Anyway, five years later, I finished it. And the owner of the hotel was a relation of my uncle. Mm-hmm. Now, over in Europe, paganism is still a big thing. It always has mm-hmm. been. And my mother was a white witch. My uncle was a warlock. Mm-hmm. And the relative I was doing the work for was a warlock. His mother was a witch. I thought, right. So he wanted a, a full, he wanted the room full of this mural creating ballet with paganism. Ballet with paganism. Yeah. On the no, ceiling even... or the wall? Everything. Everything. And so I just come up with this idea. I talked anyway, talk to my uncle about it. Um, because I couldn't read, my uncle mm. did all the educational work for me. Mm. I said, I love. Swan Lake, I've seen Swan Lake so many times, it's beautiful. I love the mm-hmm. ballet. Yeah, beautiful. And I said, how about if I just turn Swan Lake pagan? Instead of the black swan, we'll have a dark lord. And the white swan can be a white witch. Mm. And I'll create the scenes outside in meadows and forests and at pagan temples. And my uncle just stood there looking down at me. And I'll put it politely, he says, Martin, that is a very good idea. <laughs> I think I shocked him. Yeah. And the termination he come up with is not for your radio. Did you did you do sketches and show the owner of the hotel the sketches of your ideas, or did you just go ahead and start painting and drawing on it on the rooms? No, um, I got a rook. What I use if I've got a story to tell is I use wallpaper, you know, lining paper, mm-hmm. and that comes from the day of poor artists. Paper was um, expensive in Paris when I was growing up. So my uncle was actually decorating the house and I kept nicking his paper and he couldn't understand where it was going (laughs) until he found it all in my studio. 
uh, that's how I did it. And I just sellotaped it to the floor. And I created the full ballet scene from the opening to the closing of it. Mm -hmm. It took me three rolls to create it. And you, you couldn't actually walk in my studio. Well, I say my studio, it was my uncle's studio. And there it was, just quick illustrations of the ballet. What did, what did the hotel uh, manager say? I mean, when he saw the illustrations, your ideas, what did he say when he saw them? He just stood looking and he didn't say anything. Apart from, he turned around to me, uncle, and said, where did you get this child from? Oh, wow. And he looked at me. <laughs> if you, you had to see me back then, I, I was like a petite little girl. Yeah. And I was a mummy's boy, and I was mm -hmm. loved so much by my mummy. So you get in the picture, I was a spoiled yeah. child looking little girl. No, you're not spoiled. <laughs> right. I, spoiled. Well, I was born with just a natural talent of being an artist. Yeah. I, couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't read and write. I still have difficulty now reading yeah. and writing. But um, uh, then... just turned on to get it done. And yeah, five years it. it took you, yeah? Five years yeah. it took you to do it. And it's still yeah. there now? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I have been to Paris for 30 years. Uh, you did, didn't you take photos of it or anything, you know? No, I, um, my uncle took photos. I was never, he tried to teach me photography. And I thought, I just said to him, this is boring. I can't create anything. I'm just looking for a little window <laughs> to the bottle. Now go away. I said, you'll keep the photography and I'll keep the artwork. And I did that, word got around. And by the time I was 20, I had this reputation of the artist that I was. I didn't want it, didn't ask for it, and I shunned it. I was a bit of a recluse. I was getting invites to go and meet these people and talk about my art. I was getting invites to go and meet them people, the press, and just go away, leave me alone. Yeah. So I said to my uncle, I said, look, I need a property out the way where I can just go and people leave me alone. And so he found me this property at the edge of Paris, the back of nowhere. And it was real quiet. It was that quiet, you had tumbleweed coming down the road. Oh, I love it, I love it. Honest, it was falling down. It was hundreds and hundreds of years old. And right, I'll go it up. So I had it done up and that was my studio and that's where I lived like a recluse, because I didn't want, I can't cope. With, with the work that you were doing, the, the drawings and the illustrations you were doing while you were living as a recluse, did you keep them? Did you try and sell them? Was it making you money by selling them and then, you know, keeping a roof over your head, basically? Um, I'm no good with people, everyday people. Um, I've always kept them at arm's length. I can't do crowded rooms. Mm -hmm. If a bus, if I get on a public bus and it's full, I get off. I can't go. Mm. Um, so, I was the artist. 
my uncle was the academic intelligence at Riverbed, and mm. he was also my manager. And they used to come round quite often and look for all my work and just pick them all up, sell it, then put the money in my bank account. And you and just stayed in your went. house drawing, and that's the way you wanted to live. Yeah, I was happy. Right? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes my hair was like, I looked like a wild man. <laughs> it was long, it was uncut. I needed a shave. I needed... <laughs> you don't care about things like that. So that's, uh, no. you know, no, when you, you had no one to impress, basically. So it doesn't really no. matter what you look like. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> then when I was 16, 16-ish, uh, my uncle opened up a photographer studio in Rome. And I went there with him. And I got started working in Rome as well. Same thing, you know, he'd go out, get the work, bring it back to me, I'd do it, he'd take it away. That's awesome. Brilliant. But I grew up in Paris with um, a Jewish boy. I'll always remember him, and to this day, I still love him. But mm. many years ago, he died of cancer. Mm. They called him Joshua. Joshua. Joshua, yeah, he was the fat Jewish kid. Mm. I was the retarded French kid. <laughs> but we called each other that because we were friends. Nobody else could do that. Yeah. It was just us. Yeah. And he come, he come through with um, some of his relatives to Rome. He was training to be an accountant. And he met this girl who knew my work. And she wanted to meet me. She was 15, ballerina. Oh, wow. Uh, no, 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 I can't meet people. No, no, I'm no good. You know, I started talking to people. Blood comes out of my mouth because I'm chewing my tongue. Oh, dear. I'm just no good. Yeah, I'm really shy. Well, I was really shy. And why should I meet people? It's taking me away from my work. And I was doing a panic. I have anxiety. Yeah. Can uh, he dragged me by my collar and I met her. That was in 1978, sometime around there. And she sat downstairs now. Oh, so that's why that's why you love him because if it wasn't for him, you would never have met her. If he never forced you to take that exactly. step. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, Aww. exactly. And I also get her to dance for me. And as she was dancing, I draw her. And I love ballet. And yeah. I, I, like, well, that's perfect, dance. perfect match. Perfect. <laughs> really modeling for the rest of my life. She was modeling, yeah. She must have been modeling all the time for you. Wow. And then it just moved on. People wanted me work. And I did, I did illustrations for people. I did illustrations for people who wrote books. I've done artwork, murals. I've I've just lost control. I count how much work I'm I've sure done. Sure, you've done. Yeah, you. It's a shame yeah, you yeah. haven't got like a CV of everything you've you've achieved and what you've done. For you, it's just oh. like 
you do it, it goes off, it gets sold, finished, I'll get on to the next one. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Because, yeah, my studio looks if a, a word gone off in there. <laughs> There's just junk everywhere. I knew how long it had been there and how old it was by the thickness of the dust on it. So that was my filing system, the thick dust. <laughs> And it used to go off on me head if people touched it. Don't touch that. Yeah. <laughs> so when we come, my wife didn't want my son to be born in Italy because he'd done national service. And her father was over here and he'd come ill. So she wanted to come over here and look after him. But before that, is I saw a picture by Leonardo da Vinci's baby in the womb. Mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, I want to do that. But if you look at Da Vinci's, it's quite dark. Mm -hmm. You know, too much shaping. So I was doing a few sketches of it, and my wife said, she went, that's beautiful. I want it in oil paints. I said, you want this? She went, yeah. And you're going to call it Daniel. Went, okay, I'm going to paint a picture of a baby in the world. I'm going to call it Daniel. So I just turned around and I asked her why, but she didn't pregnant. ask. Her. She was rubbing her tummy. She was pregnant. Oh, oh so pregnant. beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and so you did the painting, did you? In the oil? I did the painting. Yeah, it's it's on my uh, Facebook page. Oh, wonderful. Can, we'll get everyone you know, to go over yeah. and have a look. Yeah. Yeah, but actually, I've just sent it off yesterday to a lady in. Virginia, she just bought it off me. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> the house I live in at the moment, you know British houses, don't you? Two, yeah, up, two downs. Well, that's what I meant, two up, two downs. I used to live in my wife's property in Italy, and that was just vast, and I could just throw my junk in my mm. part. But uh, it's two up, two down, and that's just gone to Virginia. So... On, on Facebook, do you have like a gallery of all your illustrations that people can see and they can buy off you? Or do you do more commission work than that? I've got pictures of old work and some new work. Uh, since I come back to Britain, Britain's dead for art. Mm. It's always been behind the rest of the world. It's not an mm. artistic place. No. Not like Europe or anything like that. Well, mm. they're all arty-farty. And you can get artwork jobs. You know, just fall in the street and stand up, you'll find one. But here, no. And it's all done by computers now. It's all digital, um, yeah, digital art. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, there's some beautiful work of digital art, but it's not art. It's been done by pushing buttons. Mm. Art, to me, is when you push a pencil around when you push your paintbrush around, when you can shout and scream at your easel and kick it all over like I used to. You can't have a tantrum with a computer. You can have a tantrum with an easel. Eh? <laughs> That's what I miss, the tantrums. I used to have good tantrums, right childlike there was. Stay, stay true to who you are, stay true to your art. You don't yeah. have to go digital. If uh, if you're selling um, and and you're getting commissions for the style that you do, and you're able to just let 
you know, someone to come up with an idea and you take it, you run with it and you've done it. It's not like um, you, you're, you're just one um, style of art and that's it. I think if anybody would ask you for anything, I don't think there's nothing that you could not do. Dude, I can create. Um, yeah, I'm going to blow my own trumpet. I can create you any style of artwork mm -hmm. in any media. Yeah. But I can't draw you a cartoon. You can't do, you, you couldn't do a person and make it cartoonish. No, I can't do cartoons. I've tried so many times. Big I ears, just googly them. eyes. No, just not. No. I just can't. Go on. Your art's more serious them. than that. Anyway, you, you, your artwork. So it's like, yeah, I've done a few commissions while I've been over here. I've done some murals in restaurants. Oh, wonderful. Uh, you know, of Italian scenes and Bridge Rialto and all this lot. And I've done a few personal works for people. But um, I've just, I'm, at the moment, I'm trying, which I'm quite f finding it hard because I don't know which way to turn on this one, is to get my book publicised and noticed. I've just wrote you, a children's book. Oh, you've got a children's book is it with your own illustrations, yeah? My own illustrations, my own story. Um, it's called The Little One's Great Adventure. It's a big book. It's uh, from top to bottom, it's about 11 and a half inches by about nine inches wide. It's got mm -hmm. 46 pages in it. Quite a big size, yeah. yeah. And all the illustrations. And that again is set in Paris in the 18th century. Mm, and beautiful. It's, it's, it's the first one. So uh, as the story goes along, they'll be traveling by ocean liners, steam trains, ocean carriage, and the little ones, the three little girls, and the ballerinas, <laughs> and they go around the world performing the ballet routine in theaters. But mm -hmm. as they go, they're learning. So it's an educational book as well, because mm. they'll learn about the country and the cultures. And they'll it's learn about- It's published already. It's published now. It's been oh, out wonderful. for about a year. But I'm a self-publisher, so I'm supposed to buy the books off the publisher at half price, then sell them at full price myself. But I haven't got the time, no, the room to store hundreds of books. And go no, you don't. And you don't have to do that at all, um, Martin. That's not how it works. You you promote uh, like you do now. You're promoting your art on that site. The same site. You need to now promote your book. You need to get a link, um, show some illustrations from the book, tell them what it's about. And, and that's how you're going to get your sales is by social media, especially if you are one of those like, yeah. people that can't do crowds and yeah. can't do book signings. The Me, I, I don't go out because of a disability. So all of my work is done online through social media. I have 14 books. So um, you don't need to buy hundreds of copies of your book 
at all. You promote the book and you allow them to go and buy the copies. Who did you publish with? It's Liberus, Liberus, uh, Arthur House. Ah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, uh, Okay, yes. we're gonna we're gonna talk later about this. We're gonna talk more about this later off camera, and uh, I'll help you yeah. out with the. We'll, we'll we'll sort that out anyway. Yeah. So, so have you got a website where people can go and see some of your art, or is it just Facebook? It's on my Facebook page. I've actually managed to get on yell.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember them, but people tell me, yeah, it used to be the Yellow Pages phone directory. <laughs> but I've got a free site on there for, for life. And that's where you uh, put all that, your pictures of your work and stuff on there. Yeah, but I've gone there on there as um, an illustrator. So my name on there is Equus Illustrations. Ooh, it's Equus not Martin Illustrations. Remember that, Equus. everybody? You've heard that. Go and check it out. Equus Illustrations on yell.com. And you can yeah. find Martin on Facebook under uh, Martin, um, Martin Carl. Yes. Martin Carl, yeah. the artist, yes. Yeah. Uh, where, are you on any of the social media platforms, uh, Martin? Not yet, not yet. I'm just okay. starting to do it. Um, with That's the workload at the moment, I got lazy. And my son, who was now 30, has put his size tens up my backside. Dad, get a move on, get it sorted. <laughs> we'll get you sorted. We'll, we'll sort yeah. it out. Like I said, we'll, so, uh, yeah. we'll talk so, about that yeah. and get that sorted. He was talking to me like he's my father, so I'm listening to my father. <laughs> he is good. He is good. Oh, yeah. bless him. Yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. Well, um, I wish you all the best with, with the rest of the, the work you've got. And uh, I hope that people go and check out your work because you are super talented. Um, it's Thank been a you. pleasure chatting with you and, and learning the beautiful story, love story about you and your wife and about you doing that hotel ballroom. Absolutely wonderful storytelling. And uh, I wish you all the best with your book and I will uh, talk with you more about that after the show. So uh, thank you so much for being a guest on Behind the Pen, Martin. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been a true experience. Thank you. You take care now. I will. Thank you very much.